Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Revely, revely, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. Well, it really wouldn't be MK if uh, we didn't start 15 minutes late because my equipment fell apart. But uh, we're back. It's Friday, January 7th, 2022, a day after... An anniversary that will live in infamy for most of the world, but it was a celebration for most of our listeners, Luke. Uh, It's Morning Combat. My name is Brian Campbell, the big beige one, live and direct from Orlando, Florida, ahead of tonight's Showbox, the new generation card on Showtime. And you know the guy sitting next to me, at least metaphorically, certainly not physically. He's an incredible analyst. He's also he's also a, he's also an old bitch. It's Luke Thomas, everybody. Hey, Luke, how are you? Let's act Listen, like I I'm, didn't just have a meltdown. I, all right. I, I was like, I might be an old bitch, but uh, only one of us can claim to have done the lion's share of complaining this morning. And that yeah, would, thank, that sorry would be to you, my team, sir. but the only time you see bitch ass BC come out is when the equipment falls apart. But Luke, we've got a show filler. For you today, getting you set up for a very light weekend in combat sports, looking at the biggest stories, the headlines in MMA and boxing, and uh, what else we got? Oh, homework assignment this week, Luke. So uh, you saw Almost Famous, Luke. You saw it. I I did. I watched it. We're ready to talk about it. I'm going to be very interested to see if you saw this as the the near cinematic classic that the critics did, or you thought this was a a bunch of pussy bullshit. We'll find out in later today in today's show. Hey, morningcombat.store is a great place. You want to buy this? You want to see our stuff? We got new merch coming, but right now, I'm told, Luke, the final crumbs in the cabinet left over from the holiday season. If you're going to buy that shit, you want to see our face on a pair of draws, all right? You can buy that right now, morningcombat.store. We're cleaning house for the new ideas, the new shipments that were coming in. Similar to what Morning Combat did in the combat podcasting and digital show space, Luke. We kicked the others out and, uh, you know, started taking home some big hardware. But, Luke, did it stop at the World MMA Awards? Did it stop? It did did not. It did not. It continues. Uh, Can't stop, won't stop would be the response Luke should have said because here's the deal. They want us to win another major award. And when I say they, it's the critics, it's the fans, it's the people. Head on over to sportspodcastawards.com right now if you care. And I know you do because Morning Combat has been up for consideration with, I believe, seven or five other 
prominent global combat sports shows for best combat sports podcast. You want to know who we're competing against? How about Ariel Hawani? How about the MMA Hour? Okay, it gets real now. It gets real. No, we ain't dancing on the grave of DC and Helwani, okay? We put that show out of business and held up the hard word to end 2021. Uh, now we're going head-to-head once more. This is Ariel Solo and a bunch of other great shows. Go to sportspodcastawards.com. And Luke, our bosses love this stuff. You know that. So I've been told that um, we win this award and we're going live in Vegas again this summer. And it's going to be a big deal. Fans, full live show. I mean, it's going to be an MK experience uh, if we can raise up a second piece of, uh, you know, we can do that thing. Luke, do you care about this at all? Yeah. If it gets us a live show in Vegas, I care about it. Um, okay. Sure. I mean, it's a chance for our P- P-est of P1 fans to show up, bring their flowers, drink out of shoes with us. Do weird things, take pictures with us. It's an opportunity. Sportspodcastawards.com. Luke, it'll get to the point where, you know, what can't Morning Combat win? I mean, I don't think we're going to win a Nobel Peace Prize anytime soon, Luke. But, um, you know, we have something right now called momentum and irrational swagger. And that can get that can get dangerous, Luke. There's nothing like somebody totally convinced of their own future, even when that future is not really promised or even real. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's a good place to be until it all falls apart. Um, LT, it's a weird time for combat sports. That's why we do awards and movie reviews. How are you holding up? You ready for the fight to come? Because the calendar's starting to fill up. It's going to get real soon. Yeah, I mean, the good news is I've got a lot of home projects I'm working on, so it's not like I'm not busy. But yes, I am ready for the fights to return. And so we can have more things to talk about than me talking about the fact that I have things to do at home. All right. Like the show, please subscribe on YouTube. If you listen on audio only, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, why don't you go over and put a nice review in for us, a little five-star review as well. It all helps at the end of the day. You can follow us on social. I'm sure you saw that below. And also, uh, one of the one of the fine labels that pays us, Showtime.com. You want to go 30 days free? Oh, what's in it for me? I don't know. How about Bellator MMA, world-class action, Showtime Championship Boxing, uh, Billions, uh, how about this new Dexter series that people are going nuts over? And how about this tonight, Luke? 9 p.m. Eastern and Pacific, your boy BC making the debut on Showbox. So a lot of reason to uh, take a free 30-day plunge. And if you like it, you know what's hip. If you don't, you know, there's probably some sand in the desert for you to pound for, for days on end, right? That's right. And uh, you're probably going to get COVID tonight if you haven't already had it. So enjoy that. All right. Hey, Luke, I'm in Florida. Um, it's very Flor- Florida down here. And uh, thank you, Florida, for having me. All right. Let's see if this McDonald's Wi-Fi holds up indeed. Luke, we do have a bit of news this week, and it starts right here. UFC 272 looks to be a monster ahead of us. Yes, we know we got Nganu gone coming up. We've got Whitaker out of Sanya too. But circle the calendar for March 5th. It's going to go down to T-Mobile in Las Vegas. Luke, here are the main and co-main events that, according to Brett Okamoto, who talked to one Dana White, your main event for a third time, Alexander Volkanovsky defends the featherweight title. Uh, the second time he'll be defending it against Max Holloway. Uh, we need this fight. We want this fight. It's air. The trilogy, no matter how you scored the first two, no matter how many times you watched their close rematch. And Luke, this co-main event, which we can get to in a delayed second, but Aljamain Sterling, Peotre Jan, Part 2, uh, two big-time rematches, 
It's a loaded card beyond that. But your initial reaction, because you are so dialed in on this great rivalry, Alex, Max, we do it a third time. Yeah, I mean, I made this point on Twitter. I think it's worth stating again. This is one of the better title fights in that division's history. Now, obviously, Aldo's got some really important ones, and the division is not that old, so we're not talking about a whole lot of title fights. But still, this is certainly one of the most important title fights in that division's history, and it's arguably the most important, not including Aldo. Um, that that's sort of the significance here that I would I, I would point to here. I don't think it's on par with like McGregor Aldo, but it's a big deal because you've got the guys that both beat Aldo to be the new generation of fighter at 145 pounds, still kind of duking it out for supremacy. Who is going to be this guy? People were asking me yesterday if Max wins, are they going to have to do another one right away? Probably not, but. BC, we've seen guys fight four or five times in boxing. We haven't seen a lot of that in high-level MMA. No. But you might end up seeing that with Max if he ends up winning. I think if he loses, that changes the equation. That might push him to lightweight or some other place because I don't know how... I'm not saying you couldn't get a title shot if you lost three times in a row but or you know three ultimate times, but... You know, it's going to be hard, but I will say, BC, if Max wins, this is one of those questions about historically who the dominant heir to Aldo was. And more importantly, I think it might set up a situation where we have these guys just meet over and over again because they are the two best featherweights that we know of, and there's no one else that can really challenge them. You know, it would be nice because we don't, obviously, you mentioned it, we don't see it a lot in boxing where you get as high as three, four, five fights. I mean, Pacquiao Marquez is just, it was an epic. But back in the day in boxing, Luke, you know, think, you know, Sugar Ray Robinson and Jake LaMotta and all those guys from that era, they fought each other four, five, six times. Will we ever see that on the super elite level in MMA? I'm not sure. But what also makes this unique is this has to be the first time on the title level or really in any major form that somebody's lost to the same guy twice. Sometimes there's a draw, right, in Maynard against uh, Edgar that we see it a few more times. But Luke, two losses and get the third fight. Obviously, I think Max deserves it, and this is the right way to go. But this is very historically unique. Am I forgetting any major reference to this in MMA where somebody could lose twice and get the third opportunity? Shevchenko, if she gets it against Nunez, would be that case, right? That would be one of those situations if it ends up coming to fruition. Uh, well, there, right. that's the thing. Joanna could get a third one at Rose. There's, there's, there's... There's a few of those that are popping up, but have we ever seen it before? Are you confirmed on this? I don't think we have. I don't know if we've ever... I, w I would be speaking out of turn to say I know for sure. But to your point, it is exceedingly rare. And at the lighter... If, it ha if it's happened at all, BC, it's happened at like you know 185 and above or something. Um, we're talking about the lighter weight classes, which again are newer, but also very, very, very stacked. These are difficult fighters to beat. These are difficult circumstances. You know, this is in many ways brave new territory. Yeah. Um, look, I'm just hoping this whole set holds together. I got to apologize to Corey for losing my shit before this show. All right. It's okay, dude. It happens, man. Your set was a disaster. They didn't give you great. Uh, oh, Vanderlei and Rampage. Vanderlei won the first two, then lost the third. Yes, that would be an example. That's a good call. It's a good uh, call. So rare, but a great yeah. reference for the highest level. Uh, Luke, we need this rematch. I'm very happy they're doing it. Um, Volkanovski, I think, is in a different place because of the Ortega fight. Maybe I'm overvaluing that angle, Luke, but mm -hmm. the toughness he showed. I feel like Volkanovski kicked the door closed for even the, the pettiest of criticisms you could have against him as a fighter. Uh, even for me as a... As a pro-max guy in this rivalry, yeah, I thought he lost the first fight, but it was very close. But, uh, you know, I thought he won the rematch. I've been 
the the pot, you know, the guy saying Max deserves this. Even from that standpoint, Volkanovski has to come in as the betting favorite. Luke has to. Yes, I would agree. I would agree. I think. I mean, of the the, the judges have decided that of the ten rounds these two have fought, Volkanovski has won the majority of him. I think by virtue of that, whether or not you agree or anyone else out there agrees, by virtue of that, that will probably put him in the advantageous betting position, or at least the 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 favorite there. But what I would say to that is whatever favoritism he gets in terms of the odds will be very insignificant. This is as close to a pick'em as you can get. The second fight was closer than the first one. I expect the third fight to be as equally, if not the close, but I'll say unpredictable about where it could go and what could happen here. This is, in many ways, the most interesting fight of the three. In many ways, the the, the third fight often is. But, uh, yeah, it's a big deal. It's a huge deal, hugely significant fight right out of the can, gate. First quarter, it's a big deal. Here's what's crazy. When you can beat an all-time great more than once within their prime, meaning when Frankie Edgar beat BJ Penn twice in a row or when... Max Holloway beat Jose Aldo twice in a row. You're like, that's an that's a career defining stretch for anybody right there. Volkanovski, who was already you know right in there one two or three for pound for pound in the world, and seems to be getting closer to knocking on the idea of a of a historical legacy here of an all time great fighter. Three wins over a prime Max Holloway, no matter how close they were, Luke. That would that that'd be pretty damn incredible. Seriously, that that, be... that's 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 the good shit right there. That would be super incredible. And by the way, so the judges for the rematch were Mark Collette, David Letheby, and Clemens Werner. The judges for the first fight between Volkanovski and uh, Holloway were Michael Bell, Junichiro Camillo, and Chris Lee. Why do I bring this up? Because you've got six different names. You might have three more to add to that, which was, which is a thing I want to point out. If Volkanovski wins, that will have been nine different judges over the course of three fights that thought he did enough work. I am hoping, I don't have a dog in the fight. If Max wins, I think that's great. If Volkanovski wins, it's great too. What I mean to say though is there's a lot of people who believe he's kind of been getting lucky with the judges. I'll just say this. If you have three different fights with nine judges and you win all three, I'm not saying they weren't close or even debatable to an extent, but the right guy didn't lose after three of those if you have those conditions in place. Absolutely. I hope we get some straight shooters in those judging chairs, Luke, like like Alec Baldwin. You know, no, We don't need Adelaide Bird back here, okay? Making an Alec Baldwin killing a person on set joke? Is it too soon? If it's too soon, I'll move on, Luke, okay? Right, it's not, it's not so much that it's too soon, more just that I just didn't think it was funny. But it, You'd it be the arbiter of good taste on this show, please, kind sir, all right? Hey, Luke, that co-main event is obviously a big deal, and it's a complicated one because, of course, the outbreak of the... the or the outbreak, the, the fallout of the DQ win for Aljamain Sterling, who was down on the cards and didn't seem like at the moment he was heading in the right direction against Peyoder Jan. Uh, Luke Jan has gone on to double down on where he stands. I think he's the best man on weight in the world, even though he only has the interim belt. But here's my question heading into this rematch, which we need to cure the bottleneck atop this very loaded and deep division, probably the deepest in the game. How much are we going to overlook Sterling's chances coming into this because of that narrative that got painted out following the DQ loss? Uh, probably a lot. Folks were asking yesterday, like, oh, what... You know, do you like how he's handled himself since getting the belt? It's like, I'm not really sure if, with the amount of time that he's had since getting the belt that he really had. Okay. 
could he have done things differently? I guess. But did he do things that egregiously? I don't think so. More, it's just folks were upset at the nature of how he was handed the belt to begin with, which some believe came from malingering in a moment when he you know, shouldn't have, uh, again, uh, allegedly malingered. So that has affected how he has viewed. The question you have to, you have to ask yourself is what could he have done in terms of um, overall skill building between the first and second fight to get a better result? I'm not sure what. In terms of fight approach... Dialing it back from that first round he had the last time. I mean, the first round of the last time was so overwhelming. Jan didn't have a chance to win, but it also, or at least that round, but it guaranteed that Aljamain would fade, in which case that's terrible against a guy like Jan. How do you how do you balance that a little more equitably to get a result? I think he can probably do better. I'm just very skeptical of the idea that he can beat Piotr Jan. Jan, one of the best defensive wrestlers, one of the best scramblers, much better striker, much better tactician over the course of five rounds. It's just hard to see why he would lose in this one. If even if I grant that Sterling is a threat, you cer- certainly could not overlook. Yeah, we and I wish we I, I wish we weren't here. I wish we weren't here at the spot having to repair this hole. But let's give Sterling his chance just the same. And you know, Luke, you wonder whoever's going to win this fight if they can close out the champion. You know, this calendar year as champion, they're going to be right there in the hunt for fighter of the year because this division is so loaded that there are some. There's some Cobras poised and ready, Luke. I know you're not watching Bro, this Cobra card is five. It's just incredible. Season four, excuse me. I know you're not watching it because you're, you know, you're you're an ageist in some degree. But uh, go well, ahead. I mean, just who could find the lives of American teens interesting? It's like the the least interesting people on earth. Jeffrey but... Epstein. <laughs> yes, I suppose. But even then, it's early his lives. Their lives he didn't care about. But March 5th, granted we have some time between now and then, but you've got Volkanovski Holloway, Sterling Yan, then you've got Bryce Mitchell versus Edson Barboza. Dude, Jessica that's, a, I- that's a great fight. That's Sick fantastic. Fight. Sick fight. Jessica, I take it on Manon Fioro, the French woman I've been sort of hyping up. How about this one between the crazy ladies? Marina Moreau's taking on Maria Agapova. These guys had, these two ladies had beef at they, ATT and they've accused each other of. They hate the shit yeah. out of each other, Luke. Yeah. Uh, Jan Xiaonan taking on Marina Rodriguez. Winner of that probably gets a title shot. Jalen Turner, the tarantula, taking on the one of the better Australian fighters, Jamie Malarkey. Like, there's a lot of really good fighters on this card. Very good card. Yeah, don't forget, uh, you know. Mihal Oleg Luke, who looks just like uh, Conor McGregor impersonator Al Faran, and nobody wants to talk about that. Okay, I also have a heart out today, so we got to keep this show moving. Wow, that was, uh, that was like, hey, you're making my family uncomfortable. Can you stop? That was that type of tone, Luke, okay? That was Sorry. great, yeah. Hey, let's keep this going, Luke. Uh, also, of course, we have the only real significant live fights this weekend. It's tonight. It's here, yep. my backdrop of Orlando, Florida, the Caribe Royale Resort. It goes down 9 p.m. Eastern and Pacific on Showtime. The 21st season of Showbox, the new generation kicks off. Luke, will you be watching live to support my debut alongside Raul Marquez, the former uh, junior middleweight champion of the world, and the legend, the Hall of Famer, Barry Tompkins? Probably not because I have to watch something with my wife, and that's just a little bit more important. However, it is Honey, all I got in this Kanto morning. Again, no problem. Pro- I got pro- nothing probably, to do. Probably, probably in Kanto. Yeah, probably in Kanto again, or I'm going to watch Spanish teams murder each other in Elite. But uh, what I would say is, for one thousand percent, I'm going to watch, and it's already set to be recorded. And I'm very excited for you. I know you've earned this opportunity. I know you're going to do great in this opportunity. Just please don't try to masturbate on air. That's just the one thing I think <laughs> wow. I will caution you against. Wow. Just okay. don't do that. I know you want to do that. Just It's not the bus stop. 
and you know you just gotta watch yourself okay uh steve farhood has been so <laughs> caring loving welcoming me in this transition he's still gonna score from home but luke i think you know he had been there for 20 years every single episode such a yeah, staple true. and backbone of that product and if you haven't watched a lot of showbox look it's about matching you know the unbeaten guys of tomorrow against typically fellow unbeatens or, or somebody that's right at that point to find out who is coming and who's going from the standpoint of future contendership. Luke, this triple header, whether these guys are household names for you or not, all six are undefeated heading into tonight. Mm. So uh, you love that to kick off a showbox season. Luis Nunez looking like a good Dominican young prospect, uh, promoted by Samson Lukowitz against Carlos Arrieta, a lightweight bout in the main, I'm sorry, a junior lightweight bout in the main event, 130 pounds. Uh, this should be interesting. Nunez looks to be like he could be the, the brighter prospect. Arrieta hasn't fought the same level of talent. I expect action. But Luke, when you rewatch this, I'm going to need you to check out that co-main event. Undefeated Starling Castro, 16-0, 12 KOs from the Dominican. He's going to step in there against Otar Aranosian from Georgia. And I'm not talking about old Marietta, Luke. And he gets inside on you. One of those guys who has been matched extremely tough through his uh, 12, 13 pro fights. He's looking to become something right now. He's going to get up in Starling uh Castillo's kitchen, and we're going to see action in this fight, Luke. So, so check that Are these shit out. all 10-rounders? Uh, the, the main event's 10 round, eight rounds in the co-main, eight rounds to kick it off the triple header between uh, uh, Edwin De Los Santos, a big-time slugger, and um, his opponent, uh, William Foster Third, out of my backyard in there, Connecticut. So, Luke, you're looking at hungry guys looking to break through, and BC joined the banter. It should be worth it for your travels. 9 p.m. Eastern and Pacific this evening from Orlando. I'm fired up, Luke. First, I'm fired up. Because you know, Luke. It should be. First first event of the year. Uh, being that it's close a good to one. the action, being able to paint the, the picture and the soundtrack, I'm ready, Luke, okay? Dude, I was about to say, I, mean, I hope you've done your prep because the, the opportunities don't come a whole lot nicer than this one. So congrats, and uh, again, keep your pants on. Thank you. Thank you, Luke. Uh, the serious side of BC, you know? The the, Van, the Luther Vandross side, right? The side that only a few select people get to see in real life, Luke, okay? Okay, that yep. side's coming out, all right? So the least interesting uh, side, all right. Yeah, okay. All right, Luke, we got some quick hitters before we get into Dead Wrong movie review, all the filler time so we can get you out of here, Luke, for your heart out. I don't know, you got another job, you got to... No, I told you my, my housekeeper got COVID and we all got exposed. And uh, so now there's no one for well, my kid is stuck here. So now I have to watch my kid and my wife has to work. So that's the I issue. was hoping it was your annual uh, a prostate exam, Luke. I was hoping. Uh, no, no. I can tell you about the results of that at some point later. But no, I got to okay. watch my kid. There's no one to watch. I'm more my interested kid. in the experience, Luke, not the results. It's, um, it's invasive to say the least, Luke. Okay. Three needles. I mean, did you see that video of that Claudia Goodell put up that's out there that was going around this week, Luke? I did, yeah. That yeah. was interesting. That was very Do we want to talk about that. that? <laughs> yeah, that was, that was very... Uh, check that out if you're into that she, stuff. She, right. pleads the, she pleads the case. I'm going to say this as nicely as I can. She pleads the case that most young women should at least entertain the idea that sometimes when they go home, BC, they can enter through the back door and not so much the... <laughs> Wow, that was so eloquent of you to say that without saying it. Wow. Okay, Luke. <laughs> and listen, I'm not here to say what door is best. Uh, yeah. Certainly, they're both doors. 
you know? She's talking about the road less traveled there, Luke, okay, all right? Uh, yeah. The poets know. The poets know, Luke, all right? Uh, hey, poets Luke, big... No. Leading off quick hitters is a big-time news item. You saw a lot of fans, journalists, and anyone. John S. Nash is going nuts on this on Twitter. It has been announced that ESPN and the UFC will be raising pay-per-view prices to kick off this new year. Another $5 higher to $74.99. Now, the, the, the built-in controversy is this. Two years ago, was it, Dana White said the pay-per-view price will never rise within this ESPN uh, package, which has been ridiculously handsome and uh financially for them this is now the second time i believe it's been raised since he made those comments and um this is also at a time luke where the company is making money rightfully so congratulations hand over fist should this announcement be tied into the greater fighter pay debate at the level that it is luke or is it enough of a topic just to say the average fan's going to be paying out their ass to watch this stuff now yeah, this is so funny. I mean, I can remember back as long as as late as two thousand nine, Dana White being like, "Pay per view prices will never go up." Mark my words, that's on the record. Fuck you if you ever doubt me. And then here we are, according to John Nash, to your point, from fifty nine ninety nine back in twenty ten. That's a twenty five percent increase over three years, which is to say, almost triple the rate of inflation during that time, which is sitting at a whopping nine percent. And we're still, what, three times that almost? Um, yeah, I'm not sure what to say about this, except two things. One, if you think the fighters are going to see any bit of this, I mean, you know, comically, you're only kidding yourself. There is a question about to what extent ESPN pushed this as opposed to UFC, since they're the ones in control of their own pay-per-view services. Um, but the point being is this one, which is, Aside from the fighter thing and aside from just bleeding fans dry, which is what most fans expecting, here's actually what I would say, which is if you think that they did this in a way where like they're worried about losing money on this, you are very confused. Not you, BC, but like the proverbial you out there, which is fans complain about this every time they raise and then every time they raise people just keep going along with it they know yeah. that you might see you might see online and it might lead to an appreciable amount of uh growing privacy but do i think uh, sorry not privacy do i think um, piracy do i think that they're the, this they're going to lose money by doing this so they're going to make more money no matter what even if they lose a few subscribers along the way and all the fans immediately being like i'm never going to pay for this yeah some of them might try piracy that's probably true but in general the vast majority are just going to keep paying i have seen people complain since ufc pay-per-views were 45 dollars they used to be 44.99 i remember that distinctly and now we're sitting in a place where they're 75 dollars they're doing this because they know they can get away with it not because they think it will hurt their business quite i mean this is straight up Dear audience, we know you're addicted. We know we have the best product. We know we're coming off our best stretch ever. You're gonna do this and you're gonna like this. And Luke, I, I respect your honesty. I don't expect anything less. You're a straight shooter in the same mold as former Nets All-Star Center Jason Williams, so I can respect that. But Luke, do you respect the game of the arrogance in this case where, where the UFC just, you know, they're not here to talk about fighter pay or care about it. They're not here to do anything but be successful businessmen. Is there a eventual line or ceiling where it goes beyond good taste? Or is this just uh, capitalism at its finest, the American dream playing out in front of you uh, one day after January 6th? Yes, it's the latter. It's just them sticking it to you as a customer because they 
they can. They can get away with it. I mean, this is why you need competition in the marketplace, right? Even with competition, you're still going to get pay-per-view prices that are pushed higher by virtue of the state of that kind of uh, entertainment product where pay-per-view kind of is. I, I get that. I don't think if it was more competition, we would never see $75 pay-per-views. You would. You would see them. But they would probably be more infrequent and they would be centered around different kinds of content. You want. I'm, it's not that I'm wishing PFL to take over Bellator or be at Bellator or to take over UFC or any of those things. But in general, if you had more promoters at a relatively equal uh, equal strength-ish you know, vying for the combat sports fans dollar, I have a feeling that some of the prices around this place might go down a little bit, or at a bare minimum, you might get some more interesting offerings along the way. But dude, they have 80, 85% of high-end MMA. They can just do what the fuck they want. And fans can and media, they can say, I'm never buying this, blah, blah, blah. And there are a handful, as I mentioned, who will try the piracy angle with BC. They're doing it because they can do it. Fuck you, pay me, is really the whole modus operandi here. And the last thing I'll say on this is, some of that might get, make its way back to UFC. And people say, well, as UFC makes more money, fighters make more money. And that is generally true. But here's a pretty clear case where, like, it's not their money to spend. If you're going to raise, was it five bucks onto this? And I'm, I'm assuming fighters will get no cut of that. Right, he, the the argument falls apart here about fighter pay because, let's say that they use this incremental five bucks extra from every pay per view sold in the upcoming year to build a performance institute in Canada or something to really reinvigorate that market. That might be a great use of money. That actually might be a very important thing to spend. It's not frivolously spent on parties and new cars and stuff like that. This is really good money for the industry. But it's not your money to spend. I can say that the money is not spent in a wasteful manner. That is true. But you don't get the choice over it to begin with. That money should go in 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 pretty big parts to the fighters, and it won't, and so forth. I mean, reasons, look, the people that should get paid first are the celebrity investors, first of all, Luke. Okay, so yeah, let's they're the make most sure, important ones. Let's make sure, you know, Tom Brady and Guy Fieri are well. Uh, uh, Luke... Even if it was an empty PR, get off my back gesture, would this be the time for the UFC to say, okay, we're making five dollars per you know per show more, but two fifty of that is going to go into a special pension fund for legendary fighters? I mean, even if that was looked at, Luke, as the most hollow sort of you know we recognize that we should be doing a little bit more, so here's a little bit more. Would that be received well? Is that the right move, or just say? Fuck it, we're we're swinging corporate raiders, and you know we know yeah, who we are. Yeah, it's not. It wouldn't be the right move because here's what I would say: it would certainly be a better move than what we have. I would agree, and I would imagine that the fighters who are largely silent on this and/or have Stockholm syndrome would react to it very favorably. They would probably react to it like, "Oh, great, this is awesome! Now we don't have to fall on our sword to get." some kind of whatever it is, additional monies. Um, now someone will do it for us. Isn't this great? But the reality is, who would you like to be in charge of any kind of pension fund? The UFC on behalf of the fighters or some kind of entity who could force the UFC's hand? What would get you ultimately more rewards? I'm going to bet that on balance, the UFC's hand being forced versus the UFC electing to do things would result in a greater pot of money or you know wins or whatever you want to call it, whatever that would be there for the fighter. So yes, it would certainly be a better situation over the um, uh, the current one to have that, but the best kind of situation is going to be one where people whose sole job it is to advocate on the interest of fighters on mass then creating that process, not being the beneficiary of the king's largesse.
Very fair take, Luke. You're a very, you know, accurate, straight shooter, you know? Like, um, are you are you ordering something off Uber Eats while I talk? No, I was listening to you. I, you know, you're you're, you're you know, <laughs> you're like Marvin Gaye's father, just straight, straight. Uh, okay, we've exhausted that line of thinking. Uh, Luke, <laughs> let's let's uh, let's rotate into the next topic. Apropos, uh, BKFC's Knuckle Mania Two, Luke, which we announced last show, will be Mike Perry against Let Me Bang Fame's Julian Lane. Luke, it, it's going to be a loaded pay-per-view for Dave Feldman and company because Chet Mendes, former UFC interim title and full challenger, uh, will be on, making his bare-knuckle debut on this card. Also, Britton Beltran, FKA Britton Hart, Luke. Uh, she's an effing feeling for sure. She'll be fighting Luke, I believe, for a uh, vacant women's title. So has yeah. this spiced the... Uh, you know, the flavor enough for you to be like, not only will I make sure I see what happens, but I might watch live. No, no, I'm not watching BKFC. I'll watch that on Twitter after the fact. But I will say, I, I, we've, it, it's interesting who they pull and who they don't. You know, it's interesting how like some of these names you think, oh, they're destined for MMA and blah, blah, blah. BKFC has found interesting ways to recruit folks. Didn't so much work out in the Paige Van Zant thing, although I sort of understand why they did it in certain ways, I suppose. Chad Mendes is a much more interesting one. He's not totally done. He got out of the game a little bit early. He has big power. He's fast. He, you know, may have been on the juice, depending on one's perspective. You know, certainly nothing I care about, but imagine some others might. Florida probably not being one of them. So if they fight in Florida, you know, he can go back to that without much issue if that's the thing he's been doing. Either way, it's a great signing for them. I actually like it a lot. I think they could do a lot of good things for him. So um, I think that is something worth paying attention to. But like, am I a BKFC P1 customer? No, Brian Campbell. No, I'm I not. I know that, but they're adding enough assorted pieces of meat rolled up into bread on the rollers in front of you as you go to get gas, Luke, and consider buying scratch-offs that uh, eventually... Luke, I mean, what's... I mean, it's going to... it's. I'm, I'm watching this live. I'm in. I'm in. Thank you. Uh, Luke, Tyson Fury is uh, heard the call out, heard the want of UFC heavyweight champion Francis Ngannou to do something big in boxing. Here's Tyson Fury's offer. I'll box you in four-ounce UFC gloves. Would that be enough, based on the recent tweet by Fury, to get you to care about this? Or is this still just a very bad idea for Ngannou, although you get his ambition to make a, a monster payday? Well, I, let me flip it. What of the possible scenarios that they could invent or follow would be the most exciting to you and why? So including the four-ounce gloves here? So like any possibility is on the table. They could box. They could do MMA. They could do boxing. Okay, they're never going to do MMA. Okay, they're never going to do that. If it was a straight boxing match, very few of us would really get behind that because it feels like Ngannou's just getting set up, uh, you know, if it was against a guy, if it was Ngannou against a much smaller fighter, it could bridge the gap, but Fury's 6'9", and that quick, he's going to get handled. The idea of going to the four-ounce gloves here is closing the gap in the same way that Triller Triad is attempting to, Luke. I, I got to say, the four-ounce element, I, I would care suddenly. I would care, because Ngannou has freaking scary power, Luke. I wouldn't want this for either guy. I, w I think stay in your own lane and keep making your own history here. But that's an attraction, Luke. That's an attraction. People will care. 
yeah, I think if they did the four ounce boxing gloves, that actually might produce something kind of interesting. The other one, I mean, all of them would be big, which makes which means all of them would be rare. Um, but you know, if Francis can get out of his deal and go to Bellator, is it that crazy to think about at that point? I don't think it is. I, I just don't see how that would be in all. We're living in a new world. We're living in a new world where crossover is much likelier. It's been done before. People are trying to figure out new ways. It won't happen as long as he's with UFC, but it could very much happen beyond that, especially if like what, you know, Tyson Fury is talking about like two, three more fights total in boxing, but if he could take a MMA one or, you know, whatever against an MMA opponent, that might extend his career as well because I probably thinks it's an easy payday. So like there are ways this could happen for sure. That's, um, yeah. I mean, if Ngannou straight up got out of the deal, could you size yourself up to the idea of him facing the current crop of Bellator heavyweights? I mean, look, could you be moved by old Rumble against Ngannou, Bader against Ngannou, Moldovsky, hopefully not Fedor? I mean, could that could that get you to care, Luke? Care about what? The idea that, okay, Ngannou's not with the UFC, but there are enough matchups here to keep his career and momentum going and to keep my interest going. Or would you... Um, interest in... But interest in what? Like, in, the, in them doing something? I guess competition. Entertainment, Luke. Hey, I'm just hoping my dogs can keep barking without someone outside telling them to stop. You know what I mean? Just let them, just let them bark. You know? Yeah. Just let them. <laughs> let them get it out, Luke. Right? You know? Just let them breathe, bro. You know what I mean? Like, let yeah. them do what dogs do, which is... Uh, they're great for podcasting. Anyway... Um, I'm not that. I'm just not that interested in whatever they could do. Like, you, you're, oh, please keep ringing the doorbell. That's the most important part, you know. Um, I really just hope that they can. You know what? They should just do. We should just. I should just do this in the living room. There's really no effective difference at this point, you know. Anyway, um, I don't know what we're talking about, but I'm now angry at the state of my podcasting career because there's someone ringing the doorbell and no one. I'm doing this show from a cell phone, Luke. So I couldn't be, you know, I'm right there with you, Luke. Okay. I'm right there. What are, we we okay, are just, you know, what are we doing here? This what is, does my this skin is... look like, Luke? Is it, is it uh pureed um, lobster soup? I mean, how would you really, you know, you know, those bags that hold those giant uneaten, gross dill pickles, <laughs> your skin is like that bag. All right, you know, Leon. Dude, I'm say, but do you really care about these fuckers fighting in four ounce gloves? Like, would I watch and try to make money off of it because I'm a hypocrite? Yes, of course. But like, you know, do you really care? I mean, is it? Oh man, I'm just, I just can't wait to see what happens. Like, I don't have that feeling about it. No, I agree. I don't want either of them to go this way. Please, all right, mate. Fight the best. Keep going. Build your legacy. All right, Luke. Um, we've said a few accurate things in this show, but from time to time, we tend to get things wrong. Luckily for our cynics, our critics. We have a segment for that. It's every Friday. Morningcombat at gmail.com is the email for you to reach out. And you better bring a receipt. Okay? And for you attempt to approach the throne and tell this award-winning duo that they are dead wrong. Dead wrong. All right, Luke. I have a feeling that there's probably still some dead wrongs lingering from that one solo show I did where there was a few incorrect facts. Uh, sorry, guys. You know, I was, I was feeling it in the moment. I was going for it, right? Yeah. All right. We start off with this, Luke. It's from uh, Harry and Tim. Monday's episode 245. BC going solo on that ass. Here we go. At 2455, BC says he didn't watch one minute of the World Series between the Chicago White Sox and the Houston Astros in 2004. 
Damn right you didn't, BC, because that was the 2005 World Series. Ooh. BC then says he was a baseball fan at the time. I was. Uh, this is also questionable because why wouldn't a baseball fan watch that series? It was the White Sox's first World Series appearance since 1959 and would become their first since 1917. The White Sox are a club who's used to playing second fiddle to the Cubs, but regardless, they keep grinding. Hey, that's cute. They are from a factory town. If ever there was one, love you two bloated beefcakes. Luke, I'll explain it like this. I think baseball is the sport, and I was hardcore from 86 through, you know, 08. Um, it's the sport where you are most, because of the ridiculously long 162-game schedule, the most dialed into your own team to the point where you don't even care about the rest of the league with the exception of their very close division rivals at times. Now, that doesn't mean I haven't been a national baseball fan who was obsessed and got fired up and excited for anyone in the World Series, but by 05, Luke, when it's suddenly Astros, White Sox, that ain't the sexy matchup that you can't miss once your team gets eliminated. It's just not, Luke, okay? So I stand up to that. I ain't dead wrong with anything except for the year, bro. Okay. I think baseball's okay. <laughs> wow, Luke, you're like anything to get me out of here. Okay, this is great. Uh, Luke, let's keep it going. Early 2000s basketball, they want to call me out. My name is Drew out here in California. Huge fan of the show. During the Prince of Connecticut solo show on December 27th, at the 2540 mark, he mentioned that the 2000 Western Conference Finals was rigged for the Lakers to win over the Trailblazers. It was actually game six of the 0-2 Western Finals between mm. the Lakers and Kings that Tim Donahue came out later and said was rigged in favor of the Lakers. BC also mentions Brian Shaw's bank shot three-pointer to end the third quarter in game seven of those 2000 Western Conference Finals. I believe he is referencing Robert Ory's game-winning three in game four of 2002 against the I mean, the who Kings. cares? Who Great cares? solo show by BC anyway, but a diehard Lakers fan, I had to correct the record. Here's the thing, guys. Uh, I know NBA. I wasn't wrong on either account. Brian Shaw banked in a three to end the third quarter of Game 7 when the Trailblazers had had pulled that big lead on the Lakers. I was referencing the tail end of the Lakers game where Steve Smith particularly trying to cut the lead down from three, got drove the lane and got hammered and no call. It played into a stream of slight calls that played in the Lakers' favor and, announced, and allowed them to win, which left some beginning the, bang, the drum roll of is the NBA trying to manipulate to avoid a final series like the Astros versus the White Sox in 05 in baseball where you don't have a... Now, that's tough, it's tough to say because Chicago is a big market, but where you don't have a big, sexy team. 2000 would have been Portland versus Indiana, but I get the reference that they're talking about. This is when that, that story, that line of thinking, went full bloom in 02 because throughout that series and particularly Game 6, People feel the referees allowed the Lakers a, a huge chance to get in. So I didn't get the three-pointer wrong or the year. I was referencing an earlier reference to the same thing, Luke. I know you don't care. Can we keep going? Yeah, we can keep going for sure. Yeah, all right. Here we go. Um, Mikey Danger says, at around three minutes of what? Of BC solo episode? I don't know. BC quotes all apologies by Nirvana incorrectly. The lyrics is are married, buried, not Mary, as in the woman's name. I would like to sincerely thank BC for mercifully keeping his nauseatingly pedestrian musical takes mostly to himself for the most part as of late. I'm not trying to be a music snob, but I'm a lifelong musician and DJ, as well as having run multiple record stores 
And nothing grates on my nerves more than a Johnny-come-lately like BC get all arrogant about their, quote, taste, even though they actually don't have a clue what they're talking about. This is an undressing. Wow. Keep up the great work and congrats on the award. I'm a day one and longtime fan of Luke since the promotional malpractice days. Deuces, bitches. Mikey Danger. Hey, Mikey. First of all, why don't you get bent? Because this is another category that whether I had a word wrong in the in the uh, Nirvana lyrics of that 90s classic or not, that uh, I know my shit. Okay, so you're, you know, as a old record store head and a, you know, wannabe musician on the side. It's similar, Luke, to, oh, you didn't box. So why are you talking about it? Oh, Luke, you didn't fight professionally. Do you see see him as comic book guy from The Simpsons? I do. I do, Luke. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's probably pretty fair. Yeah. All right. There you go. All right. I mean, if I didn't know what I was talking about, Luke, like, you know, MMA, I just started watching last year, Luke. So that's, you know, that's obviously a topic where I'm just like, guys, I, you know, I've never, I have, yeah, okay. Uh, Luke, this one's from Joe. I don't even need to be mentioned here in Dead Wrong. Just please pass on how his hilariously ridiculous their attempt at correctly pronouncing Edinburgh, the capital city of Scotland, was. I give Factory Town BC a pass. He was too busy doing tabs of burger fat to pay attention in school. <laughs> God. Wow. But I thought Luke was supposed to be cultured. Happy New Year to the team. Thanks for the great con. Yeah, we don't care anymore. Shout out from Leeds in Northern. Now what is England. the proper pronunciation? I've forgotten. I don't know. Edinburgh? I don't know. You think I care? He sent a YouTube link, Luke. I'm not going to click on it. Well, maybe I will. I don't know. Do you, want me to get, do you want me to get spam? You want me to get... Yeah, you want me to get a, uh, get a Russian wife? You know, what are you doing here? Why, why, why? All right, I'll click on it, Luke. Let's see what's going on. Let's see what they say, right? I got to wait through this commercial. because Yeah, there we go. How to pronounce Edinburgh? Edinburgh. Burra. Edinburgh. Burra. Edinburgh. Edinburgh. Non-native English workers say Edinburgh. Edinburgh. Okay, that's cool. Apparently. That's cool. All right. By the way, I was watching when Ori banked in that shot. All right, come on. I mean, Edinburgh. When Shaw banked in the shot, Ori hit the three and game two. Come on, four. Come on. I know this shit, all right? Edinburgh. You think we care, Luke? No, we definitely don't care. That that part is true. All right. Luke, maybe this is the... Maybe right now, with the UFC and ESPN just being like, fuck y'all, $5 more. Maybe this is that moment for us on MK where we're like, you know what? We're an award-winning podcast. You think we need to get things right? You think we care about that? Uh, we care look, enough to get to get murdered by our own audience for it. Yeah, I mean, look at our technical production quality. You think we care about anything, Luke? But cashing these checks, we just had our seventy four ninety nine moment right there. All right, all right. All right Michael says on the January third show, Luke was unsurprisingly dead wrong. His know it all ass tried to say Dustin Poirier's KO edition hot sauce doesn't have ghost pepper in it when it clearly says it on the front of the bottle. What are we doing here, guys? Tell Luke to get more sleep in some alpha brain in his washed 42-year-old life. Damn, Luke. Damn, Luke. They're coming, they're coming to Joan of Arc, our ass. They are coming hard, coming hard. They're coming like Leon do. We should have some next week in uh, New Jersey. We should have some ghost pepper, you and me. Okay. That's going to end badly, Luke. That's the setup. For you. Down. For yeah. you. Okay. Uh, we have a lot of people... Taking a chance. Four different people wrote in. Hi, guys. Happy New Year. Big fan of the show. But reaching out to call both Luke and BC out for being dead wrong. On January 5th, they both said that Sergio Pettis KO'd Horiguchi in the fifth round. 
several times when discussing their upset of the year segment. In fact, the knockout came at 324 of round four. I don't have the exact timestamps that they said it because they repeated it several times, but they're dead wrong here. Cheers to a happy new year. All right. Fair enough. We're wrong. I don't think I said the fifth round, but you know, you probably, I definitely, I definitely did. So I'm dead wrong. I mean, Luke was dead wrong on his take too, but that's fine. Uh, Jose says, what's up at 3655 of episode 247. When referring to Michaela Mayer's fight of the year contender, BC says it was against quote, mama douche. <laughs> is that an escort we don't know about, Mr. Campbell? Um, is that your masseuse? I believe her name is Hamadouche. Also, for comeback of the year, no disrespect, but is Aljo beating Jan a legit contender? He was handedly losing the first fight, and even though unintentionally kneeling down, he made Jan fumble the win away. It's Jose pronounced the Cambodian way. Luke, Jose is using his dead wrong uh, opening opportunity here to actually ask you a real question. Okay. What do you think? I didn't hear the question. Yeah, I'm sure you'd stop listening instantly. Uh, Is Aljo beating Jan this year make him a legit contender for comeback of the year? Ooh. Um... So where'd you come back from, Luke? Being a bitch? I'm not saying that. Well, having that, sur- having those surgeries. Having yeah, those I don't surgeries. think that. No. Uh, no, but it would certainly be a big triumph. Yes, but that, well, I don't know if it would qualify for that. All right, uh, Luke. Jimmy is here, and he thinks he's cute. As if I didn't realize I said Alvarez a lot, Luke. You know what I mean? It was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, okay, Lopez, right? Uh, he says, hi, BC and Luke Rockhold. I mean, Luke Thomas. You almost fooled me there. The two look so similar. Oh, this guy's got jokes, Luke. At 2348 of episode 247 during Fight of the Year, BC had a stroke. Multiple times he called Gaethje Chandler Alvarez Chandler or even Gaethje Alvarez. He you mentioned Alvarez three times. Please hook a brother up and tell me where you get your edibles. Wow. Definitely not Delta 8's at the gas station, Luke. I'm not that low class. Uh, your local DC BBL hit me up, Luke. It's Jimmy. I think that was him uh, slyly petitioning you for possible sex, Luke. Probably. Uh, but that's okay. I'm there yeah. for that thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I said Alvarez a lot, Luke. Because he fought all those guys and, and he made damn near fight of the years against each one, Luke. Okay. He did. He did. Um, but you fucked that up royally. Look, I've never seen you this uncomfortable to do morning combat. I'm fine. It's just, dude, my kid is, I, I've got a world of work as soon as this is over. So, you know, are you, my, my, my brain is elsewhere. Are you slowly transitioning beads in and out of your anal hole, Luke? What's going on? I mean, the faces you're making, you're just sort of like, fuck, this is where my career is going. This is not. This I'm just seeing what's in front of me and I'm like... Well, my weekend is now over, so whatever. Okay, our final one, Luke, is from Kevin. Hi, Luke and BC. I'm a big fan of the show, but I'm also a big fan of getting the date right. At 36 seconds of your January 5th show, Luke said it was December 5th. Fuck you, unless you're a time-traveling bitch. (laughs) Love the show. Congrats on the award. Beast. Your best, Kevin. That's funny. That's funny. Thank you. Uh, Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Fair. Okay, fair enough. Let's get out of here, says Luke. <laughs> yeah. Look, I mean, Luke, are you gonna are you gonna ask out your contract after this show, Luke? I feel like No, you... no, no, dude. Seriously, it's like, you know, everyone's lives in one way or the other have been disrupted by COVID. Mine certainly much less than many other people's, but 
it's enough now where I've got a ton of shit I have to do as soon as the show is over. I mean, look, you ever been a dirtbag in your 20s in a tenuous relationship and you know you probably deserve to get dumped because you're just a dirt hole and like every conversation you're like, oh, is that a tone that's taking me to that conversation? Uh, I don't think I have that issue exactly, but I've got my own. Yeah, I can imagine that'd be pretty tough for someone if they were in that spot, yeah. yeah. All right, Luke, I guess we're going to close this uh, aborted, uh, <laughs> sadly forgettable episode of Morning Combat by dipping into the Well, the homework. fights start next week. I mean, what are we doing? We're just I mean, going have over I been the canceled news, and I mean... you're like slowly just like, I'm just going to let everybody know I'm kind of done with BC right now. I mean, this is a little bit weird, Luke. Um, no, so I'm, all in, I'm all in on BC. All in on the BC business. Homework review, homework assignment. I, we don't have like a package to throw to, right? Like a graphic? We don't do that think shit. So. Oh, we do. Oh, God. Homework yeah, review. Right. Look at this. Luke, what kind of homework do you think David A. in France gives his students? Um, Working on their gag reflex and shit. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, Luke, you had never seen the 2000 Cameron Crowe-inspired directed film Almost Famous and I thought that was a little bit absurd. I saw a, a large level of dismissal feedback from people saying, I saw that movie. Okay, it's not that good. Why are we doing homework on it? Maybe people like me just think it's a really damn great seminal film that looks back on the 1970s through the lens of a music journalist, which co-aligns Luke with Cameron Crowe's journey as a teenage Rolling Stone writer following the Allman Brothers, similar to the main character in this movie following the fake band Stillwater. Now, Luke, what did you actually know about this movie heading in? Because it does have not only big stars, but it's got even bigger cameo star drops, um, you know, an ensemble cast across the board. I, I mean, I remember when the movie came out. It came out when I was in the middle of college, I think the year 2000, if I'm not mistaken. So I remember everyone seeing it, people raving about it. You can see here Kate Hudson. I don't know if she's still married, but at the time she was dating the lead singer or married to the lead singer of the Black Crows. Chris Robinson, um, yeah. Chris Robinson, yeah. And so like this was, she was like the it girl at the time. It was uh, Cameron Crowe was a much bigger director then than he is now. Um, there was just a lot of it that was, it was well-reviewed. I mean, it... For, I don't know what... Here's the problem. The problem was I didn't see movies usually during the school year because I just wasn't really available. And then in the summers, I always had temporary active duty, so I, could, I never really had a lot of time. And so, like, I, I didn't see American Pie until, like, after college and stuff like that because I missed it being at boot camp and everything. I never got a chance to see it. This is another one of those up until um, this is homework assignment. Uh, stars, of course, Jason Lee and Billy Crudup as the lead singer and guitar player of this fake band Stillwater. Kate Hudson as the groupie, Luke, but not a groupie because she only does BJs, apparently. And, of course, the, the nerd bomber uh, Patrick Fugit as the lead role. Francis McDermott as the mom. You got a lot of celebrity drop-ins from Mark Marin to Jimmy Fallon and Philip Seymour Hoffman and beyond. Luke? Let's tee it up to you right away. You watch this this shit. I called it a, a, a seminal classic with many, many sort of um, big time moments that have crossed into our our you know our language, our 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 generation, our people. What do you think after watching it? I liked it. I didn't love it quite like you loved it. Um, but I think there's probably some good reasons for that. The first thing I would say is, I mean, this is a really well-made movie. It is, the script is excellent. The acting, uh, I think I read Francis McDermott 
and Kate Hudson both got Oscar nominations for their roles, which I completely understand. Frances McDermott plays this sort of neurotic but loving mother at a time when people were kind of worried. This is pre-Satanic Panic of the 1980s, but you could tell a lot of parents were kind of worried about the direction of society's youth with the explosion of drug culture and everything at that time. So that was great. Uh, Penny Lane is the character, sort of, so to speak, that Kate Hudson plays. She's just magical. She looks so young in this movie. She At the time, I thought she looked kind of old, and now I look back and I'm like, no, she looked really young. Um, she plays this character full of nuance and, frankly, for what she does, wholesomeness, right? A little bit. Um, and it's really a period piece, as you mentioned. It takes place in 1973. You know, I can understand why it came out in 2000s. But you see, when we were kids, the thing that you wanted to be if you were famous, if it wasn't a ball player, it was certainly a rock musician. I mean, maybe if you were rap, depending on your, your upbringing. But for a lot of us of our era, you know, we, we talked about it before on this show, dude. Rock stations used to be, I mean, these were local gods in your market. And then still, of course, summer tours are still big and touring is still big. But when we were kids, that rock icons being bigger than life. I mean, rock music is almost dead now, which was funny because they were talking about it. Philip Seymour Hoffman's jokes about it being dead in the movie. And that, of course, was 1973. Here we are 40-plus years later, and it's not quite true. But um, Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I guess what I would say is the period piece is interesting, the acting is great, the script is great, and that archetype of what it meant for rock stars to be bigger than life and rock over music. Over the Rolling Stone, yeah. Yeah, over the, yeah. I mean, all these things were so big when we grew up, and it's and it's the early stage version of that. I just don't find that story, A, about rock and roll, it's... It, it, it's very much a period piece now because rock and roll simply has not endured in quite the way that it once was culturally prominent. Um, and some of the love stories were a little bit less interesting to me about like the guy is kind of in love with the groupie and treats her bad. And so he kind of has to learn through this kid to be better to people. It's a little bit of a weird muddled story in that sense. But for a period piece, for the acting, for the script, for the runtime, and for just how well a sweet story is ultimately delivered because that's what this is, a sweet story about innocent people trying to do big things um, and getting lost a little bit along the way, but then finding themselves afterwards. It's, it's, it's good. It's really good. It's just not great for me. So I'm going to give it four and a half stars. That's my official rating. Let me just give that out. Four and a half, uh, four, excuse me, four out of five stars is my official rating. Because we close the segment with our ratings. Plus we do one to a hundred or no one to 10. We do it. 8.0 is fine. Eight out of 10. Okay. Just, just announce it now. That's fine. Luke. Um, Look, it won the the Academy Award for best original screenplay from Cameron Crowe. That's fair. Um, That's fair. Some of these ensemble performances are just incredible. Zoe Deschanel as the older sister. I mean, there's some great performances, as you mentioned right there. Jimmy Fallon as the crazy new manager. Um, I think it's the, I'm a big classic rock guy. We grew up, Luke, in, growing up in the 80s and 90s, this era from 1967 through like 1975 was like 
it could not have been more romanticized in our youth. So to have this sort of time period piece looking at what you mentioned, sort of the coolest occupation you could have and an inside look on the road from this young kid's perspective as a, what, 14, 15 year old, that's who we kind of were anyway at that age, even though when this movie came out, you and I were, were certainly 20, 21, 22 around that area, but you could relate to that. And uh, that's such a romanticized, nostalgic glory period to see this band go out on the road and, you know, open for Led Zeppelin and all that kind of stuff. There's a cool factor in there, Luke, that you get sucked into. The soundtrack's fantastic. The right songs hit at the right moment. But I also say it's not without criticism or the idea that for as great as it was and the foundation they built, it could have been better. Luke, my biggest holdup, and upon rewatching it again last night, and I'd watched it about a month ago for the first time in a while as well, um, the lead actor who plays the, the, the quasi young Cameron Crowe, he's just not likable, Luke. And that's a big stumbling block that even with him fighting to show Penny Lane that she doesn't have to be a whore and show the lead singers of this band that they don't have to be jerks to people, this it's is Russell Hammond you're talking about? This. What? Russell Hammond you're talking about? Yeah, the kid who plays the, the, the writer. Oh, no, the kid who plays the writer is uh, William Miller is the character's name. I don't think he's likable, Luke. I get that they're, the, he, they're pushing hard naivety to, to try to put, put across this wholesome message that these non-wholesome but still young rock stars could, could bite on. But I, I cheer for him early when he's when he's trying hard to act the part, but I think he becomes uh, irritable. I become irritable watching him. Is that is that overblown, Luke? I'm not sure what that word means, but um, oh, irritable, you mean. You mean he becomes... He becomes irate. irritating to cheer for. He is oh, in a position oh, oh. in this movie where he's the hero, Luke, and following his journey at some point becomes a little bit lame. What does that say about me? Um. Yeah, I didn't like his story so much either. I mean, he was young and nerdy and ambitious and... He was kind of everything that rock and roll was supposed to not be, which is why he was the way he was, which means that his growth is certainly possible in the story and does happen. He does. He appears to be a centering force for everyone, um, which is a which is an interesting place that he plays. But he's otherwise not that interesting. Like you don't read anything he writes in the story. People tell you that it's good, but you don't ever actually see it. So you just kind of have to take everyone's word for it that he's the sort of dynamic viewer of things. Because the questions he asked the band, like, can you write a love song when you're sad? It's like, okay, I mean, this is the guy who got the front cover of Rolling Stone, this fucking zero, you know? Like, what were they putting on Rolling Stone back then, you know? Yeah, uh, it, I mean, the story is a, is a huge underdog Why don't you go story? work for the Mac Life with Oscar Willis and ask uh, bad questions like that all the time? You can I just that. feel like it comes down to casting in a way. This is a very sharp, you know, inside baseball criticism, but it's Cameron Crowe presenting his own real-life story and making it as cool as it can possibly be, yet I think he overplayed his hand in trying to get this relatable, wholesome figure. I don't know if he was trying to represent that as himself or if he thought it would hit better, but I need, uh, William Miller is just not cool, Luke, and I need a little bit of that, uh, of something to, to grasp onto. I mean, why do, you know, films of the 70s succeed, these film noir classics that I'm watching right now, neo-noir, these dirty, grimy films that have these, you know, taxi driver that has this Travis Bickle guy that they somehow make you cheer for at the end, even though he's completely, ridiculously unredeemable in so many ways. I still find a way to cheer for him because it's so well done. William Miller sucks, Luke. 
All right. Yeah, he's, he's boring. Like, he's a boring American teen who hasn't done anything with his. He's like that life. nerd in Dazed and Confused who always does this, Mitch, Mitch, you know, and and the guy that you're supposed to cheer for that, you know. Hey, man, you have a, you know, yeah, it'd, it'd be a lot cooler if you did, right? I mean, that kid sucked too, Luke. Okay. Wow. But here's why it wins, Luke. It captures this period perfectly. It captures cool perfectly. And I felt coming in the challenge for you from my vantage point, part of what makes this movie so great to me is I think Stillwater kicks some ass as a cool fake band. You get to see the inside of their head in this rise from something they love to do to possible crossover fame. And I look at the the inside camera view that we got of this fake band's travels and dealing with all of that as completely um, interesting and enjoyable and entertaining. But if you don't have that same feeling about that band, Luke, you may exit this movie going, okay, it was cool, it was wholesome, but it's kind of lame in the end. Did you have those Steelwater, uh, Stillwater super fan vibes like I did? I think they were cooler than the Black Crows, Luke. No, I didn't care about their music at all. It didn't do anything for me, and I thought their stupid battle over merch was boring. Um, this is one of the low parts of the movie. It's like, dude, their sound wasn't interesting to me at all. Nothing. Wow, you don't like Nothing. that roots rock, blues-based, but yet, like... There's almost an Almond Brother vibe mixed with sort of the Black Crows, which are I've, doing I've been to an Almond Brothers concert. I saw I saw Drive By Truckers open for them. I didn't like the people in attendance, and I don't like that music very much. Um, no, it doesn't do shit for me. Like the, the the Black Crows type music, which is a little more upbeat than what you're talking about, but still high tempo. But um, so, Luke, no. would you did you feel at any point during this movie once you got to the meat, once you got to okay, this is what BC talked up and teased up that you felt misled or oversold or you felt, damn, my co-host is a bitch. No, they made a good movie here. I've been very clear about that. They made a good movie. When this was over, I was like, that was a good movie. That was that was really well. It was it was well done. It was and again, the acting performances to me, like what's the strongest overall part of this movie? The cast and the acting performances. Dude, even someone as minimal as Lester Bangs, who is this film critic or sorry, movie critic. Or what, what am I saying? Music. He's the critic. editor of Cream Magazine. Played Cream by Magazine. And he play played by Philip Seymour Hoffman. Dude, he kills it in this movie too, and he's yeah. not in it for very much. Even those phone calls he would have with with William on the road were, dude, they were just great. Like the acting performances is what sells this. The story is nice. The direction is good. Um, the story, the the sort of the the. The moral lessons are a little bit simple and whatnot, so that's why I can't give it a great review. But every piece of it is well made just enough where I can see why um, it's so well liked by so many people, including, by the way, my wife loves this movie. I told oh, her wow. I was I, okay. I told her I was watching this for homework, and she was like, "Oh man, this is a great movie. You'll love it." So, so you're saying this is a chick movie that BC got caught up in the roots rock cool factor. But Luke, I think the reason why I did is it has three iconic sort of crossover viral moments, I think, in it. Am I overplaying it? Can you name the three, Luke? Viral crossover moments? Or just moments. It has three, in my eyes, three indelible moments where you're like, instantly people know that's that scene, that that's what happened. It became part of our lexicon. Am I overplaying this, Luke? Here they are. You want me to tell you? Uh, so let me see if I can guess one of them. One of them is when he tries to get in the first time with the band aids backstage, but gets in with Stillwater. Is that one of them? No, I was thinking, no, that, I wasn't thinking that, but that's a cool okay. ass moment. Okay. I was thinking Luke, the, I am a golden God standing upon atop yes. of the Jumping pool house the pool. and diving in yep. is, is a 
highly referenced great moment. And the other two come from the plane ride, Luke. First off is the the oh, sing-along <laughs> to Tiny Dancer by Elton John. Luke, I, I won't say that every time you watch that scene upon rewatch, you get the same feels, but you got to admit, that's a great scene that takes a... Wait, but that's not uh, in the... Hold on, but that's not in the plane. They sing Tiny Dancer on oh, in the, the bus. In the bus, correct. Great, great dead wrong in the moment right there. They sing that in the bus, you're right. Luke, that instantly became... Like Tiny Dancer greatest. had it. Do you remember? Do you remember in two thousand, Tiny Dancer had a resurgence as a song because on the of charts this. because of the movie. That's right. So it's not that people didn't know about that Elton John song, but it was not considered in that upper core of his, you know, of his instant recognizable greatest hits. So this is a song. This is a moment that just they did that song great. I mean, they 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 made that song look as cool as it possibly could. The other one, of course, Luke, is the Plane Ride from Hell. And the around the horn um, deathbed confessions from each person, including yes. Jimmy Fallon's character admitting he had killed the man, and one guy saying that he was gay, and then the other guy saying that they cheated on the other guy's wife. I mean, it got pretty crazy there, Luke. Once they realized they weren't going to die, that's a hell of a movie moment right there. Yes, that was a nice moment. It was all very artificial, but it kind of, they made it work in the end, actually. I thought that that was a good part. Although he didn't admit he killed the guy. He admit he didn't know if he was dead or alive. He just left. So that's how I'm going to leave this show. I don't know if I don't know if if uh, BC's alive or not, but I'm out of here. So that's all that's, right. Well, Luke, you already showed your hand. You give it an eight point zero out of yeah. ten. Luke, I think that's solid. I think that's a, that's a solid B. Um, uh, yeah, from the things that you don't like about it. For you to retain an eight, that's pretty solid. That means that you you got the flavor, the formula that they, they were cooking up. And I appreciate I enjoy, that. Here's the thing. I enjoyed it. I would watch it again. Strong performances. I just can't complain about it. Did it move me in the way that it has moved you? No, I can't say that I had that experience. But it's too good of a movie to give three, three and a half. It's just better than that, and I acknowledge it. Luke, I gave it a 9.1. I think it's wow. insanely rewatchable, but yet... Close enough to being a great, great movie, meaning it won the Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay. Like it was as close to being perfect in terms of just watchability, but also well done. It didn't quite get there. You heard my beefs about it, some parts of it, but um, there's just, it, it's so damn iconic. It just captures that period perfectly across the board you and you feel something luke you feel like you were there and um it does yeah. it does it, and you 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 get why you get the way in which uh popular cultural figures were ordered at that time in society um but i've just sort of moved on from that it's such a such a long ago thing you know i'm still living it luke it's still real life to me so uh insanely rewatchable i enjoyed it each time but uh Maybe we can get a cooler lead. I don't know if that guy's ever acted again, Luke. I hope I don't ever see him again. William Fuggett? Yeah. I mean, William Miller. Just, Was that his you know, name? William Fuggett? I mean, no, Patrick Fuggett. Fuggett. You ever seen all those all those signs when you enter Jersey? Forget about it. Yeah. That's yeah, this I guy's have. last Forget name. Forget about this episode, too. What a, what a shit stain, Luke, on the great pair of underwear that has been our two plus years of morning combat well listen they can't all be we knew they'd be bad during this period the fight's starting next week we'll be all right my skin looks horrible in this light i mean i ultimately i blame jay aaron luke because i'm still using the travel hey why don't you wear a white hat and then uh midlife crisis uh no excuse me a white shirt and a midlife crisis hat that way we can make your face look fatter (laughs) 
Luke, there's been a lot of talk about uh, BC's eyebrows being gone, and people. This seems to be a topic, Luke. Uh, Are they was, gone? Did you trim them I up? I don't have thick eyebrows to begin with, or dark eyebrows. It's very that's light true. That's hair. true. And the guy that cut my hair the other day, and by the way, again, I don't think this is a good-looking haircut. It's an asshole haircut. I had to get it to match my uh, lack of a beard, so I didn't look um, horrific. And apparently, oh, so I he did horrific. the he did the anyway, bit. So here's for for young he men shaved, in their twenties. He goes, yeah. "Do you want me to do your eyebrows?" And I'm just, I thought he meant the unibrow. You know, if there was a if there was even a a chance, Luke, that there was a hair growing there, and he gee, he took off the color. Okay. Well, I mean, they're supposed to trim your eyebrows because you're an old man, but you're supposed to pluck the hair in the middle. You don't want to shave the one in the middle. No, I shave. You don't that pluck all your time. unibrow. I don't need a unibrow. I, I don't. You know, air hair. I get that shit out of there, Luke. Okay. Yeah, you got to trim your ear hair, and you got to get the the. When you're an old man, you have to tell the ladies or whoever cuts your hair, "Yo, I gotta. I'm old. Please give me the old man treatment." And then they might just get the lawnmower and cut your disgusting balls. You never know. You just never know how it's gonna go. Uh, Luke, today's Friday. Showbox tonight. Thank you, everyone, for the great support and, and well wishes. Uh, are you going to the Morning Combat brand new Jersey City studio on Monday? Are you going to meet me there? You? I'm pretty yeah. confident I'm going to make it. I don't have any symptoms. I'm playing it safe, overly safe, just to be cautious. But I think I'll be there. I think it'll be fine. There's, there's, there's rumors of a resume review that will be filmed that could shake yes. the course of MMA history based and on I had a conversation with our boss last night he called me I have an idea I want to run past you I think it's good I think you'll like it which boss you talked to Sam 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 called me last night yeah with Sam B it's a guarantee Luke that's right that's right yeah. certainly is um okay I'll be there then Luke we should do I want to do Nganu but you're like no we ain't doing Nganu here's the problem here's we the problem if folks want to, no, no no if folks want us to do the Nganu resume review we can and of course it would feed the curse because i think that gone is going to win but here's the problem and i mean this genuinely this is his first title defense it's a pivotal fight it's a huge fight but it's his first title defense it's like i don't know if this is the right time for it but if you want to do it we'll do it we'll do i it. do well i think he has enough exciting fights they're not fights and most of them have been super exciting that there's, we've seen enough of him and we've seen some some highs and lows of him that that's the point of this to talk about how somebody grew from that to get to this point. The only – I would have a different amount of um, of reason for not wanting to do him. is just that I think he showed so much advancement against Stipe in the rematch that I kind of want to see if it's going to get even even more first. You know what I mean? I kind of want to see if he can – if he can then show we'll, us even we'll new, prob- more, we'll new probably tricks. do it, and it will and it will feed the curse because I do think that um, I think Gon's going to win. So we'll see how it goes. I still need to see Gon take big time strikes to the chin and keep coming, Luke. Big time. I don't think. Listen, if if Francis lands on him clean, then it's over. You know, I don't think that there's anybody who can take a Francis punch clean. The question is, will he take one clean? Um, I'm guessing not, but we'll see. Okay. You're right. The margin of error is not high. It is not super high at all. High. Uh, unlike by the way, staff, and if you and by the way, folks should, folks, folks should send us at morningcombat at gmail.com if you want to see a hot sauce review or whatever else you want us to do in studio. Let us know. I have an idea. I want to run it past you, but um, is this but an in studio idea for this next yes, week? Yes, yes, in studio idea. That's right. Mm-hmm. I would. Can we talk about it now on air, or we don't let we can't do only no, fans? I, I, I have a couple of different methods to make it work, and I want to see which one you like better. So we need to do that behind the scenes. Hey, um, Canadian friend, Eric, um, 
Aaron Bronstetter, best, you know, great guy. I have met him, Luke. Send me a nice care package of, uh, of vinyl. What a great guy, right? He doesn't send me shit. Perfectly curated to my interests. What a nice guy. You know, happy holidays. What a, I mean, you know. I think are you going to watch Encanto this week? No. And I think that says a lot about what he thinks about you, Luke. So, you know. Fuck. Probably does. Fuck that guy, right? Yeah. Fuck that guy. All right. Uh, Luke, anything else you want to tell a story? What do you got? Come on. Uh, Sidney Poitier. Sidney Poitier, who is the first black man to win an Oscar for Best Actor. He has died at the age of 94. If you have never seen a, a, a million things he's done. He, and he tonight uh, was a big thing he did as well. But the to me, the most impressive performance of his career, which is saying something, is uh, A Raisin in the Sun, which you can watch on YouTube. If you've never seen, which is a famous uh, play, obviously, but his acting in it is next fucking level. Would you say, um, guess who's coming to dinner? That's him, right? That's his most iconic role? Is that right? Is he that guy? I think so. In 67, uh, was that po- Sidney Poitier? Yes, it was. I, I would still say Raisin in the Sun is bigger in terms of what he's done, but yeah, he's done some big fucking things. And now yeah. he's gone, Luke. And now he's dead. And uh, that's the part that you focus on. But well, Luke, over his, over his career in life, he was dead right. You know what I'm saying? Yes. You, you, won't, you won't see him showing up in our segments, all right? No, you certainly won't. Uh, Shout out <sighs> to him and his family. Yeah. There you go. All right, can we end this? Yeah, that got awkward real fast right All right, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Uber driver. I don't really want to hear about your family. All right, can you just take me to the finish line? Okay, thanks. Uh, for our staff... Uh, Dude, I will uh, point out on my Uber app, like, quiet preferred yeah, when I book yeah. my car. And they'll be like, how's your day going? I'm like, quiet preferred. Yeah. Uh, for our great staff at Malka, who dealt with my anger over my failing technological uh, advancing to Showtime, CBS Sports, our great team, to the vast, expansive audience of donks out there who can who can actually help us out by going to sports podcasts. What is it? Sport Sport Podcast Podcast Awards. Sports Podcast Awards dot com, in which Morning Combat is up for best combat sports podcast. Um, some heavy hitters. Well, we're up against Chris Jericho, Luke. We're up against Ariel Hawani. This is a fight, right? We're up against some mm-hmm. some big UK boxing ones. Um, but you can you can uh, you want to help our future stay profitable and in uh, in live and direct do a live show this summer. We can get there if we keep if we keep winning this hardware. So there you go, Luke. That's all I got to say. Buy our merch, morningcombat.store. You can look as pasty as I do with this great T-shirt on. First of all, I will say this. Watch BC on Showbox tonight. Either either like me, catch it on DVR, or watch it live. But either way, watch it. Watch that shit. I can't wait to see how you look on that. Uh, probably stupid, but you will sound good because you do no boxing. So that will be <laughs> Blotchy nice. and bloated. It's Brian Campbell. Here we go. Just Thank don't you. make any... Uh, might as well be walking on the sun here, Raul Marquez, if you know what I'm saying. Huh? Yeah. 90s, huh? Smash Mouth. And your 30-day free trial. Hey, do it for BC, right? Now's the time. Sign on. You got nothing. What are you risking, right? Nothing. Uh, So so watch BC there. Get Showtime. And uh, we'll talk about that on Monday. And I will also say to the audience, yes, the last couple of episodes of the show have just been the worst pieces of shit ever. However, (laughs) 
What I will also say is the fights start next week. We're we're going to be in studio next week. The show of this is the hangover period. By the way, in Colombia, do you know people don't work between Christmas and January tenth? That's they just great. have off. That's great. Isn't that nuts? That's how you keep a family happy. It's how you recharge. In our in our society, Luke, they're oh god, um, yeah. That's uh, hey, All Luke. Right, well, you you've got you've got preparations to get ready for. So I know that we've been. This is my final point. I know that you know I've been a bit crazy to think we could put a my face on a Hawaiian shirt and, and sell out. That we could put a drug rug out there and sell out. If we did BC midlife crisis, Randy Couture, Fidel Castro hats with like an MK logo. Am I crazy or would that shit move, Luke? It would move. It w- I would like to tell you that it wouldn't move because it's dumb, but it would move because it's dumb. You know what I'm saying? Another sellout just waiting to happen. Uh, yep. All right, dude, All right, seriously, Luke. can we end this shit? I got to go. Yeah, sorry for Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. Um, thank you for your patronage. Two words for you on the way out. Uh, we out. Mm-hmm.